Merry Christmas, but not to the Suns because Luka Doncic had something he put in their stocking. The Celtics dominate the Lakers in LA. Is Nikola Jokic suddenly a free throw grifter? The Knicks get a big win in the Garden, and is Jaime Jaquez a serious Rookie of the Year candidate? Oh, by the way, yeah, Kevin Durant's frustrated already. We got a lot to talk about on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA. Your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. We appreciate you guys being with us and joining us on whatever platform you've chosen, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, where we do appreciate those five-star reviews. YouTube, you can catch us at youtube.com slash Locked On NBA Monday through Friday. Uh, or on apps like Spotify. We're available on all platforms. We appreciate you guys making us part of your day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. I'm joined by David Ramil, who is not feeling well, and it's 1.25 a.m. In, in, in Florida, Woo! and he is still, still showing up when needed. He culture, he, baby. He culture. He culture for David Ramel. He's co-host <laughs> of Locked on Heat. Um, on today's show, we'll talk about all the Christmas games. We'll talk about Kevin Durant's uh, reported frustration, as Adrian Mozarowski reported on ESPN. Uh, we'll talk about all those games and run you through that entire slate. Glad to have you guys with us. Uh, if you celebrate the holidays, hope you had a great one. Hope you had a very Merry Christmas if you, ho- if you celebrate. If not, hope you enjoyed a nice day off and got some Chinese food because you know, that's what I did after I made a big meal for the family on Saturday is I or Sundays. I completely bailed and, and we got Chinese tonight. Uh, all right, David, we got a lot to get to. We're going to roll through this. Let's start here. Luka Doncic had what I think is his best game of the season. Uh, he hates the Suns. They hate each other from that playoff series that they were in. There's been comments back and forth. You've seen the memes with him smiling at Booker. Those two have had a lot of words for each other through the years and it continued into this game as Luka Doncic and the Mavericks get Derek Lively back, go into Phoenix. Luka goes for 50 points on 25 shots, 15 of 25 from the field, eight of 16 from three point range, 12 of 12 from the line, six boards, 14 assists, four steals and three blocks in 43 minutes as the Mavs close out the Suns. In the fourth quarter, after the Suns came all the way back, the Suns got a miserable performance from Kevin Durant in this one after the reported comments about his frustration, which we'll get to in a second. KD goes 4 of 11 in 43 Mm. minutes. First of all, he took 11 shots, 7 free throws, but so 11 field goal attempts and 7 free throws in 42 minutes and 30 seconds of time. Just 16 points, 8 boards, did get 7 assists, was a minus 5 in this one. Uh, Devin Booker, 6 of 14, not great efficiency there. 1 of 4 from 3, 20 points for Booker uh, to go with 10 assists. They were creating for others. They got 32 points from Grayson Allen and lost. They got 23 and 19 from Chemezi Metu off the bench and lost in this game, uh, in large part just because Luka was incredible. I have I have a lot of, of criticisms that I've levied at the way that Luka Doncic plays. I have none of them in this one. He was perfect with every decision he made, every swing, every, like, the shots that he took were demoralizing for the Suns. It was a complete masterpiece from Luka Doncic. It was unbelievable. 
he hit a lot of the shots that you would normally find some fault with. And I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's the kind of risk that you take in playing the style that he does, but it paid off tonight. And the 14 assists, everybody's going to kind of overlook those considering he had the 50 burger, but the fact that he was getting everybody going so frequently throughout the game. And to your point, demoralizing shots all between two, but uh, of, of the assists, just, you know, the fact that he was, he had 12 points in the fourth quarter, as uh, you know, the Phoenix was trying to keep the game close. They actually had a lead going into the fourth quarter, and then they just turned it on. Fantastic overall game. But I think it kind of shows the fact that this Dallas team is a little different. They have some players that kind of space the floor, that kind of stretch things out, that know how to cut, get to the hoop with ease, and can make things so much easier than they have in the past, where it's not as reliant on Luka Doncic to create as much offense as he does. 27 assists for the Mavericks uh, to 11 turnovers in this one. The Suns had 28 assists on 40 made baskets. So when they did get did score, they got really good uh, action there. I will say, um, you know, Luca was absolutely incredible in this one. He was amazing. He was also locked in defensively, which he never, 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 never <laughs> is. Like he was really efforting, especially versus Booker. You can tell how he takes that matchup seriously. Um, but the other thing here is Derek Lively. The second that Derek Lively came back, I made I wagered on on the Dallas Mavericks because he is the second most important player on the Mavs. Kyrie Irving is the second best player on the Mavs, but Derek Lively is the second most important player on the Mavs behind Luka Doncic. Eight of nine for Lively in his return. Twenty points, ten boards, plus eighteen. Like best on the team. They won those minutes by a huge margin. No use of Nurkic tonight for the Suns, and uh, it was it was a huge difference. The Suns team is not well-constructed. The Suns team is not well-built. The Suns team does not have good chemistry. And Adrian Wojnarowski reported on Countdown to start the day off that there is an awareness in Phoenix of Kevin Durant's frustration, quote-unquote. Um, the exact comments from Woj, you talk to people in Phoenix and around that organization, you know they can feel the frustration with Durant. Part of that is certainly the missed games for Brad Beal. This team was built around those three stars. The underwhelming supporting cast, they got great contributions tonight. That comes from those massive trades for Durant and Bradley Beal. Gutted the organization, let them having to sign a lot of minimum players. And then they understand they lack the assets, the draft picks, and the trade capital to really improve on that team. This is something they're going to have to manage in Phoenix with Kevin Durant, is what he said. Um, look... I think one of the things is that KD keeps being in situations where his guys are not there, right? Like the problem in Brooklyn in large part was that Kyrie got was out with out with um, refusal to believe in science. And then he was out with injuries and then, you know, Harden was out and then Harden was having a thing. And then Kyrie was having a, like, he just could never get his guys on the court. And I think that really frustrated him. Um, and now he's in in Phoenix and Booker hasn't been available this season. You know, he started finally starting to play some games and Beal's been out essentially the entire season. They went big on this three-star formula and, you know, it's not working. And KD is not a player who's like the engine who's going to lift everybody up. And that's really what they need. It's like, I think Booker's become a fantastic playmaker, 10 assists tonight. But like, they don't have like guys that are going to lift up the other dudes. They've only got these elite kind of finishing tip of the spear dudes. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've struggled so much. But um, look, there's a lot of season left. The best thing about the NBA is that the worst thing about the NBA is after a big win in 48 hours, 48 hours, you got another game. The best thing about the NBA is in 48 hours, you can break your losing trend and start to turn your season around. So there's a lot of time for them to figure this out, David. But um, I do think given KD's relative 
uh, instability in terms of where he's been the last couple of years. I do think, you know, three trades isn't a lot, but I do think you have to at least keep a little bit of an eye and move the Suns into, you know, maybe a, a DEFCON three type of area for, for how much they're struggling right now. I mean, I don't know if I take it as that seriously. Like, I can understand he's frustrated, and I think the whole franchise is frustrated, but I, I'm not prepared to think that he's ready to throw it all away in three months. That doesn't seem like his typical MO. I, I, I think he's going to give this a chance, and I think ultimately if Beal can come back healthy, then all of a sudden we'll see the supporting cast be who they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be complementary players. Nobody's expecting Grayson Allen to have 32 points regularly, and yeah, it looks underwhelming when he's you know trying to fill a role that he's not quite equipped to do. So I think given that eventually the hope is that Beal will return, and if they can make a deep postseason run, then all of this will be forgotten. So my expectation is that things will eventually revert to the way that they were supposed to when this team was built, and then the complementary players will be able to be just that. They'll be able to complement the three superstars that were there. And I think they're being cautious in holding out Beal for as long as they have because they're going to need him in April and May and June when those things matter the most. So I, I'm not worried about the Suns team. I think they're still going to be fine. I think people are kind of rushing to kind of pounce in their grave a little bit early on, knowing that they were assembled somewhat hastily. But I mean, re I remember in the offseason where people were thinking, you know what, given the fact that they have these three, three superstars there, the acquisitions they made to kind of shore up the, the fringes yeah. of the roster were actually pretty good. So I, I still think they will be once those other three players are healthy, though. I mean, it was weird because there's just like there was a lot of praise heaped on them for like, well, man, they got Drew Eubank, really Drew Eubanks and Katie Bates Diop and Eric yeah. Gordon. Really, that's this you is what's an There's a it was a lot of praise for those moves. Uh, they did well with what they had. Uh, on the other side, we'll talk about another team that <laughs> there was a lot of praise for in the offseason. It took a tough L at home as the Celtics and Lakers renewed their rivalry. We we'll talk about that plus. Steve Kerr has some uh, tough words for the officiating and how stars are officiated. Plus, oh, by the way, the Nuggets uh, beat the Warriors again. We'll talk about that next on Locked On NBA. Right now, I want to tell you about eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. Let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Players of the Week. How about Isaiah Hartenstein? You know, it appears Mitchell Robinson's out for the season. They've applied for the disabled player exception. And Isaiah Hartenstein is the clear ad if he's available. Hartenstein, obviously great on the boards, going to be able to have some opportunities on rolls. He's got on steals. He's got a little bit of passing chops too out of the short roll, yeah. getting more chemistry with Jalen Brunson. I think that's a smart pickup there for him to fill up the stat sheet. Josh Lloyd from Fantasy Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. Uh, my Rogue is getting up there in terms of miles. I've, I've had it for quite a while but I still love this thing and don't want any other one, mostly because I need an SUV that's just big enough to keep my kids separated in the back seat. And that's why I've got to keep it going with eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with the eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, but these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, 
Exclusions apply. We'll be right back on Locked on NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Matt Moore alongside David Ramil. David, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics renewed their classic and historic rivalry in L.A. this afternoon in the primetime game as the Celtics, obviously the number one team in the league currently, and the Lakers uh, looking to capitalize off that Western Conference Finals run, got back into it. And it was an interesting game in that the Celtics got out to a massive lead. Uh, Lakers bench units, the combo units came back against the Celtics bench. Uh, Joe Mazzulla made some adjustments to those rotations in the second half. And then like a funny thing really kind of happened as the second half started and, and kept going. And then especially in the fourth quarter, um, the Lakers just stopped playing defense, just quit playing defense entirely. And this team that was supposed to be built around defenders like Anthony Davis and Jared Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura and LeBron James, they just could not, they couldn't stop a nosebleed. It was absolutely pitiful in the second half in terms of the defensive performance. Uh, Anthony Davis filled up the stat sheet 40 points on 15 of 26 shooting, 13 boards, four assists, one block, uh, and a team worst defensive rating when he was on the court. Uh, funny how that works. Jalen Brown, only 19 points today. You know who was actually really great was Chris Stapps Porzingis, 28 points, 11 rebounds. David, my my big takeaway from this game is honestly that the Celtics lost the Warriors and their offense melted down again, and they didn't have Porzingis. And then you see in this game that they're consistently able to get great action when they have this full unit available. We don't know if they're going to be healthy, but if right. they are healthy, Porzingis does make them a legitimately more dangerous leveled up team than we have seen in the past. As somebody who's covered the Heat and their battles versus the Celtics, does, do you think if Porzingis, I know that the Porzingis thing is a big if, but if he's healthy, do you feel like he's going to make a big difference for them, not only in the regular season, but the playoffs? I think so. I mean, they were pretty good in the playoffs to begin with. It's not like they needed a substantial upgrade, sure. but I think between the combination of him and Drew Holiday at the point guard at position, I think that's going to be adding the kind of, you know, the well-rounded cast that maybe they were lacking in years past, not necessarily as relying on Tatum and Brown to step up in those moments. But yes, I think he's been fantastic this season when he has been healthy and available. He provides a level of defense at the rim. Obviously, he can make some plays also as a passer and his ability to shoot from the perimeter and get to the rim also. And I mean, just that size makes it so unstoppable. As big as the lineup that the Lakers were fielding out there, Porzingis just looks so much bigger than them on occasion. And he was able to just sky over opposing, opposing players for rebounds, finish at the rim, et cetera. So he makes them so much better. It's hard to tell. I mean, I don't know that anybody is really capable of keeping him off the glass as effectively. Uh, so I wonder whether or not he's going to be the kind of swing factor that we're talking about right now. It's possible. Um, I think ultimately it relies on Tatum and Brown to have those kind of moments. Tatum in particular. I think, you know, we're not that far removed from questioning whether or not he had the the, the intestinal fortitude to come through in big moments in the playoffs and things of that sort. So I think ultimately he still be the deciding factor, but it's nice to have those complimentary players around him that can kind of bring the overall game up a little bit. You know, I think Derek White's also been fantastic and he's got a much bigger role than he did last year as well. 
we see a lot of these teams like Dallas. If Luca has a bad night, they got no shot. Um, there's a right. lot of teams that are built like this. Tatum has honestly had a miserable start to the season. He has one of mm. the lowest effective field goal percentages on jump shots off the dribble in the NBA this season. I looked that up for like minimum a hundred shots. He's in the bottom five for pull-up shots off the dribble. Like that's really bad for him. He, I think can play better. The question is just like, okay, can the Celtics maintain, not improve, but just like maintain this level and then Tatum's efficiency improves. And then you've really got a team that's even more dominant. It's usually not how it works. So you usually have some sort of, you know, one right gets better and the other gets worse. You know, Tatum contributed today, 25 points, eight boards, seven assists. He did get to the line for, for 12 of 13 from the stripe. Um, it is just interesting to me that the Celtics have been so dominant and Tatum hasn't necessarily been the one to benefit from it. Like, it's not like this team is loaded and that makes it easier for Jason Tatum. He's struggled, but they're still so good, which I think is really encouraging on the Lakers side. I just think it's like, look, the thunder win was their best win of the season. And they deserve a lot of credit for that. Like that, that's a really good team that they beat on the road. That was a great win for them. They just don't have a lot of them. Like if we just, if we go through the schedule and we look at who they played, they don't have a lot of great wins. This was an opportunity at home to get a signature win and they couldn't get it done. And I do think that probably says something about the Lakers. Um, yeah, in the league, they made that switch in the starting lineup too, taking D'Angelo Russell oh, out. It didn't really make much of a difference. Yeah, they took D'Lo out and then D'Lo was a positive. Who knew? Um, in the second game of the day, Denver Nuggets get the win over the Golden State Warriors in a weird-ass game that I was at on Monday, uh, Nuggets get the win 120 to 114. Steph Curry goes seven of 21 for 18 points and was a minus 26. The 15th time this season that Curry has had a negative plus minus, that they've been outscored when Curry is on the floor. That's a team stat, stat not a Steph stat. But it's interesting that they're he's on pace for the most he would have had since the rookie season when the Warriors won 26 games um, in terms of games where they've been outscored with him on the floor. Uh, Brandon Pajemski was really good for the Warriors. Nikola Jokic was not good in this game. He finishes mm -hmm. with 26 points on four of 12 shooting. The only way he got any 14 rebounds for him and eight assists because Joker does what, what Joker does. Jamal Murray with 28 points, 10 of 18 from the field. He was great in this one, especially late. Michael Porter Jr. was fantastic with 19, especially early. Nuggets defense was great with Contavious Caldwell-Pope defending Curry. They really crowded him. But really the narrative out of this game is that Steve Kerr lit up the officials after the game for Nikola Jokic, who got to the line for 18 free throw attempts. Jokic averages six free throws a game. Six. He is one of the lowest of the MVP caliber guys. That said, I will absolutely tell you this is the most I have ever seen Nikola Jokic grift in a game, and I sure hope that he does not start going the Joel Embiid route because that's what it this reminded me of. This was a pure Embiid game. He's flailing. He is falling. He is exaggerating contact. It was all over the place, and the Nuggets contention is like, yeah, but he actually is getting hit, and he wasn't getting calls before, so if he's not going to get the calls when he's hit, what do you want him to do? I don't think you want to start doing this stuff. I just think it's bad for the game. And Kerr lit him up on this, uh, talking about how the officials have enabled the players, quote unquote, to play like this. And he's not wrong. This is Kerr's criticism was not of Nikola Jokic, but of how the NBA officiates it. And if you talk to players that have European experience, they will tell you the same. I've said this for a long time, David. There's basketball. And then there's NBA basketball, and they're not necessarily the same. And this is a big reason why, is if you're a star like Joker and you want to get the calls, the only way you're going to get it is if you engage in the behavior he did. He got 18 free throws, but man, at what cost? 
I, you look, this is the team that you cover. You know this better than anybody that he's not a person who who normally flails around a lot, but it, it is a bad look. And you've got two of the best players of the game and Embiid and then Jokic, Jokic Knight kind of flailing about Embiid not available, obviously, when the Sixers took on the heat. But, you know, he's an MVP type player. He won the MVP last year. Like, I think Kurt, it's a good point. Like, maybe they have a lot of it, but what's the change? Like, at what point are we going to see refs say, you know what, I'm sorry, you can flail around as much as you want to. We're not necessarily going to make those calls against you. And if that's the case, then, I mean, how does that change again? Like, we have these points of contention every year, points of emphasis, right, at the start of every season. Oh, the referees are going to call this differently. And then it just winds up reverting back to the status quo. I don't know. I, I think it's a, at some point you just kind of have to live with it. And, and if this is – I don't – think that this is the route that Jokic is going to take more regularly, but it was pretty evident today that he was trying to sell contact as much as possible. hundred percent. Um, the other thing is if one of the problems, look at the business side of this. If one of the problems is player avail- availability in the new media deal, you have to have your best players available. What's a good way to keep them available. Make sure they're not taking contact, avoid mm-hmm. contact. How do you get people to not make contact with them? You get him in foul trouble. Like, th- 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 my answer is not here that this is a deliberate effort from the officiating. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if we were to change it, that that would be the consequence. If you allow more contact, you're going to see more injuries, and you're going to be, and then we're going to be talking about players missing time. So it's like, which one of those? Do you, which would you prefer? A million free throws or guys missing games? And uh, that's a balance I think the NBA is struggling to take. On the other side, Jalen Brunson has himself a day at the Garden as the Knicks get revenge on the Bucks for a recent loss. Plus, Jaime Jaquez might just have forced his way into the Rookie of the Year conversation. All that and more up next on Locked on NBA. Right now, I want to tell you about game time. It's absolutely the best way for you to get tickets. Uh, when I get back, I'm going to Disney World next week. When I get back, this week rather, when I get back, uh, I am going to be taking my wife to a hockey game. She's a huge, huge Avs fan. And we both agree the best way for us to do it is we're just going to wait till the day of the event. We're going to get tickets on game time because we get them for such a great price. Uh, You get them last minute and you can get them up to right after the event and still get great seats. You get to see the view from your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect. So for the hockey games, we're going to get to see the sight lines all in prices, show your total up front. So, you know, you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. Those fees drive me nuts. It's one of the reasons I love game time. And you can buy tickets in two in seconds in just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off on your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N N B A for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. 
last segment here with David Ramil. Glad to have you with us. Uh, let's talk about the Knicks and the Bucks. So the Bucks do what they do, and they score a lot of points, and they hit hit a bunch of threes. Although they didn't shoot very well today compared to the amount that they hit in the first game on Saturday between these two teams. These two teams played on Saturday on the matinee and then started off the Christmas day. It was a really weird scheduling uh, by the NBA. And you would think it would help the Bucks, but instead they came out really flat and the Knicks kind of jumped all over them in the revenge spot. Giannis goes for 32. Dame goes for 32. So they get 62 points from their two stars plus 24 from Chris Middleton. And it didn't matter. And the Bucks trailed almost this entire game. Only made it made it within single digits, I think, late. As guess who? Jalen Brunson, 38 points, six assists. Mr. Can't be the one A himself, according to Becky Hammond. 15 of 28 from the field, seven of nine from the stripe. Uh Emmanuel quickly off the bench adds 20. Julius Randle gave him 24 and nine on eight of 17 shooting. Uh, and versus one of the Bucks games earlier, Randall didn't dominate the ball so much that he got them behind the eight ball by taking twos versus the threes. RJ Barrett bounced back from a miserable game on Saturday with eight of 14 shooting for 21 points. The Knicks only hit eight threes in this game and still won comfortably. That is one surprising two rare and three, a really big concern for the Milwaukee Bucks. You, you, you outpaced them in threes and you still lost this game. That to me yeah. is very concerning, David. I mean, point of attack defense is going to be a problem when you have David Lillard out there and basically you're allowing these free runs at the basket. It was allowing opportunities for Brunson quickly and others to get to the hoop at ease. Uh, you know, I, I think they, they spaced the floor just enough. And then when you have a, a way of screening out Lillard or getting past an initial defender and being able to get to the mid range game or to the rim, it allows for that easy offense and you're going to be able to get up a number of opportunities that way. So yeah, I think that's the bigger concern more than anything. It was a great game for the Knicks. You don't want to take anything away from them, but at the same time, it's kind of reflective of the problem that the Bucks have shown all season long. And, and, and they're just not doing, they have heretofore done enough offensively. And it's not like they're overly concerned because their record is so good, but it kind of reminds me watching them. The more I watch them, it kind of reminds me of those early aughts, Oklahoma city thunder teams where it's like, with Giannis and Dame, it kind of reminds me of KD and Westbrook, where it's, you know, pick your poison. One goes and attacks, and the other goes and attacks. It's never this free-flowing offense. And if you have those kind of problems defensively, you need to get something more on the board. Like, there needs to be a little bit more consistency from them on the offensive end, where you kind of see an actual game plan being played out, rather than, okay, you get a bucket, now I go get a bucket, etc. Becky Hammond's comments about Jalen Brunson not being a 1A. I don't think the Knicks are a title team because I don't think that Julius Randle is a good enough 1B um, and and has issues there. I think their defense is inconsistent. I think they're really going to miss Mitchell Robinson. I think that they have good wings, but not great wings. They have like some guys, but they don't have like a, if they had like an OG and an OB, I would feel a lot better about their, their situation. Um, someone like that. I will say this though. They might not be able to win three series in the Eastern conference. But the Bucks, the Cavaliers, and the Sixers all are going to have problems with Jalen Bronson. They're all going to have issues with them if they face them in the playoff series. Embiid is going to play drop coverage, and Brunson's going to get to that those teardrops that he's been hit. They hit a lot today. The mid range pull ups, he's really good at putting guys in jail and change of pace stuff. The Bucks, same deal. The drop coverage with Brooke Lopez, he's going to attack that the same way that the Heat have attacked it in recent years past. Uh, and the Cavaliers play two on ball, and Brunson's proven that he can beat their guys one on one at point of attack. So 
it, you, it, those teams, I think are going to have a really hard time if they face Jalen Brunson in a series, because Jalen, I'll, I'll say this, the, the, the thing about him being one a is not about mentality. Brunson yeah. it had like, he's got that dog in him. He attacks, he's efficient and he's smart. He doesn't overextend. He doesn't play outside of himself. And that's really valuable in these playoff series. And I think that the Knicks are going to be dangerous series by series, depending on the matchup. That's fair. I mean, that happened in Miami I, last year. Actually, he wound up having a pretty good series, but they were wind up mitigating almost everybody else's impact. So it was kind of letting him cook and then kind of taking everybody out of the game. And Jimmy Butler was great for one and a half games until Josh Hart took him out. But yeah, I, I think that's, that's going to be an interesting development over the course of the season is whether or not they can continue to get a much more well rounded cast. Do you see a trade for them happening at some point during the regular season? Man, not now. Cause I, you know, if you're the wolves, why are you going to mess with, why, why are you going to, why are you going to mess? Why are you going to mess with what's going on with the wolves? You wouldn't do that. So you're not going to trade towns. Um, right. You know, like I don't know who else it would be. I've, <laughs> I'm like, well, is Kevin that Durant, be an option? Uh, yeah. Unless Kevin Durant <laughs> wants to head back to, <laughs> to New York and play for the other squad. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. They have a really good trade package, but I don't know that there's going to be. I mean, look, the, the, the answer is there may be that star. We just don't may not know that he's available right now because sometimes, yeah. you know, it goes from like, oh, that guy's not going to get traded to like, oh, yeah, he's definitely getting traded this week. And we, that happens in the next, you know, six weeks of action. Um, and finally, last game, those pesky heats. Uh, this was this should have been an awesome game. This should have been like a really big time matchup. And instead, Joel Embiid has sprained ankle. Uh, Embiid now has one, 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 one game played on the road this season versus a team over 500 this season that he's played in. Um, but ankle sprains happen. What are you going to do? Uh, Jimmy Butler also not not available. Um, and he controlled this like this is a, a kind of a weird run, game of runs uh sixers went up early and then and then heat made it made a big run and then um he held it and then the sixers came back and tied it and then the heat pushed ahead and the big story from this one is jaime Hawkins, uh who the blazers could have had in the trade i'll just go ahead and get ahead of david in those conversations 31 <laughs> points for Hawkins on 11 to 15 shooting 10 rebounds, one assist, two steals. Bam had very, very good things to say about him after the game. Eight of eight from the stripe. Bam chips in 26 on nine of 15 shooting. Um, yeah. The Sixers obviously missed Jimmy or missed Joel Embiid's defense here a ton as the Heat just carved them up. I actually, I got to tell you, David, I kind of like this Heat team. Like I'm pretty, I'm actually pretty high on this Heat team. And that's oh, going to no. come as a, a shock, I think, the South Florida partisans. <laughs> But, like, I think this team is actually underrated offensively for how they move the ball and how Duncan Robinson's playing. But yes. more to the point, um, well, first, what was your big takeaway from the game? And then I got to ask you about Hawkins. Miami's lucky that Tyrese Maxey really struggled for the floor. But I, I agree with your point that Miami's team is deeper. They just haven't been healthy all season long, whether it was Tyler Hero missing a bunch of games, et cetera. They just have not been able to field – the complete and total package. But I think you're right in terms of like the diversity, the versatility, the different options that you can go to in a night to night. There are still concerns with this group, but this team is better than last year's team. I just don't know that they're going to make as deep a run in the playoffs because, you know, historic shooting and everything else. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I do like their kind of formula for how they're playing. Um, oh, look, Tyler Hero was a minus five and a win. Um, with Hawkes, do you think? Look, the, the rookie of the year conversation is Chet Holmgren, Victor Weminyama, right. period, end dot. But, but, we, in the interest of total fairness, Hawkes is contributing at a really high level for a team with championship aspirations. Um, do you think that Hawkes belongs in that conversation with those two? Belongs, yes. He's, he had a chance? Absolutely not. I, I think the argument for him is, you know, you can look at Chet and say he's not technically a rookie. Uh, and then you can look at Webanyama and say, well, look at the team and everything else that's going through. And in terms of Hakez, he's playing at a high level for a team that's playing at a high level. And so I think that kind of counts as there, there's not the, you know just a looter and a riot. Go ahead and do what you have to do. It's your first year. Figure it out. He's playing in a system that's well designed and he's maximizing his role in a really highly efficient way. And so he's going to get some looks, but he's not really a, a contender. Uh, I have a comparison for some of these guys. So. Um, in the same draft class, okay, you had Embiid and you had Malcolm Brogdon and you actually had Steven Adams who mm. contributed to a playoff team for the Thunder. Derek Lively is Steven Adams where he's contributing to a team that has, as a rookie for a team that has playoff aspirations, Jaime Hawkes is Malcolm Brogdon where he's just like playing really, really, really well for a team contributing in a lot of ways. The biggest thing is like whenever I watch Hawkes, I'm just like like there's a couple of plays here and there where he makes rookie stuff, but like the vast majority, eight out of ten, I'm just like, man, what a pro! Like he just looks like ready to go every single play. Um, yeah. It even I, who thought the Heat media shenanigans were ridiculous this summer, even I will acknowledge it's really funny that Jaime Hawkes is a much better rookie than Scoot Henderson. That's that's pretty funny. That's I didn't say anything, so I'm, I'm glad that you did that. On Christmas, David's letting that one go. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for Locked on NBA. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. Make sure to stay tuned tomorrow for Jake Madison and John Corrales. They'll recap the Tuesday slate for you. We're throughout the week. Keep rolling every single day here on Locked on NBA. Thanks for joining us.